It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Okay, well, here we are. Now, listen, um, I like to know the story about how anyone became who they are. It's always, always interesting. So, um, Rich, uh, Rich and I are going to be talking to you, our family, our Bot Radio Network family, about some of this that is really important to us, and I know it's important to you. Uh, isn't that right, Rich? Folks, every time I sit down at this microphone, I'm excited to see how he's going to put this together, right, now, and today I, is no exception. I think that a trim, I don't think there's anyone listening right now that doesn't remember the name of Ronald Reagan. I don't think there's anyone listening that doesn't remember that he was governor of California first, and then he became president. But he was known as pro-life, and he even wrote a book. He spoke to the the pro-life gathering in Washington for the very first time any president addressed him, except it was over the the loudspeaker. He was the very first president to ever write a pro-life book while in office. Well, how did that happen? Because I've looked through the biography of Ronald Reagan and his wife, Nancy, who was his second wife. Everybody knows that. And who were they? Where did they come from? How were they raised? And what did they really, really stand for or think? Well, here is something that you're going to find out how Ronald Reagan is. A lot of politicians, they're always talking about their base. (laughs) Um, So they want to please the base whatever that is, the group of voters. And uh, so he was like a politician wanting to please the base, especially when he was governor of California. But what did he really believe about the subject of pro-life? Was it in his heart? If so, how so? Well, today, folks, you're going to find the answer to a lot of things. Listen to this. In late 1972, Dr. Jefferson appeared on The Advocates, a television program produced by the local PBS affiliate in Boston. It would air nationwide. So great was her eloquence and passion for defending human life that it caused one politician to completely rethink his views on the issue of abortion, a conversion that would ultimately impact pro-life efforts for decades to come. Shortly after the show aired, he wrote to Dr. Jefferson, I hope you won't mind my writing to you, but I had to tell you how truly great you were in your testimony on the Advocates program regarding abortion. Yours was the most clear-cut exposition of this problem I have ever heard. Several years ago, I was faced with the issue of whether to sign a California abortion bill. I must confess to never having given the matter of abortion any serious thought until that time. No other issue since I have been in office has caused me to do so much study and soul-searching. I wish I could have heard your views before our legislation was passed. You made it irrefutably clear that an abortion is the taking of human life. I'm grateful to you. Sincerely, Ronald Reagan. Isn't that something, Rich? Well, who was he writing to? Who was this Dr. Mildred Jefferson? Folks, we've just had the Black History Month. Who was Dr. Mildred Jefferson? Jefferson. Honest to goodness. I'll tell you what, we're going to learn about that. But before we do, I want to tell you also that my good friend, 
John Avery, who just retired from being an over-the-road truck driver. And John Avery is the one that told me about the song, The Rough Side of the Mountain. I had always heard Linda Randall sing, The God of the Mountain is the God of the Valley. But I'd never heard The Rough Side of the Mountain. And John said, oh, yes. He said, we always sang that in our church. We always sang that when I was growing up. You know, life is rough. And uh, so he told me about that song. And I'm going to play it now because Dr. Mildred Jefferson knew what it was to climb the rough side of life, the rough side of the mountain, to absolutely work hard and not let anything stand in her way. You know, it's one thing if a person ends up at the mountaintop, but they helicoptered in. <laughs> Somebody flew them over there in the helicopter and dropped them on the top of the mountain. It's something else when you come up the rough side of the mountain. So uh, this is the song, and when you hear it, I want you to think about it, and it will follow up with Dr. Mildred Jefferson's story. Right, Rich. Thank you, John Avery, for introducing me to that song. You remember Whitney Phipps said a woman in the church told him that, remember, son, if the mountain was smooth, you couldn't <laughs> climb it. You couldn't climb it. Now, folks, we're going to introduce you to Dr. Mildred Jefferson, 
an African-American, born many years ago, and has a story because she was, among many, many other things, the very first black woman to enter and graduate from Harvard Medical School and all of the other things you're going to hear about. If she were a Democrat, <laughs> which she was not, or if she was pro-choice, why, they'd probably have a day dedicated to her memory. And, and she was a pioneer and a trailblazer you in the pro-life movement. Absolutely. The entire pro-life movement in the United States of America. Now listen now, folks. Turn your radio up. Don't miss a thing or you will wonder, well, what about this? What about that? It's all here. And here it is. I am at once physician, a citizen, and a woman. And I am not willing to stand aside and allow this concept of expendable human lives to turn this great land of ours into just another exclusive reservation where only the perfect, the privileged, and the planned have the right to live. Mildred Faye Jefferson was born April 6, 1926 in Pittsburgh, a little town set among the piney woods of East Central Texas. She was the only child of Millard and Guthrie Jefferson, a Methodist minister and a school teacher. Growing up outside the small town of Carthage, Texas, children were taught at an early age to declaim their lessons, a skill that would serve Mildred later in life. The community of Carthage encouraged every child to reach for their dreams. Seeing the old-time family doctor who readily made house calls in his buggy inspired young Millie to become a doctor herself. And, and I would follow him around asking questions, and he would always answer my questions. And when I said, well, when I grow up, I think I want to be a doctor just like you. And he said, well, now, if you want to do that, you just go right ahead. She did just that. After graduating from high school at 15, Mildred attended Texas College, and because at age 18 she was still too young to enter medical school, she received a master's degree in biology from Tufts University. At age 20, she became the first African-American woman to be accepted to Harvard Medical School. After graduating, she applied for and was accepted to a surgical internship at Boston City Hospital, another first for a woman, and later became the first female doctor at the former Boston University Medical Center. As the Boston Globe observed at the time of her death, Dr. Mildred Jefferson broke many race and gender barriers during her long career as a doctor. But it was when she turned to politics, emerging four decades ago as an eloquent leader of the anti-abortion movement, that she began to win a following. And in 1970, uh, in earnest, there were groups going around the country promoting what they called abortion reform. And already writing in magazines, there was an ad man called Lawrence Later who was writing about abortion reform. So that um, in the active way that they've always advanced, accompanying the effort to get the laws changed was an effort uh, to create a model penal code. Concerned with the pro-abortion efforts to change the laws in Massachusetts, Dr. Jefferson became one of the founders of the Massachusetts Citizens for Life. That ultimately led her to the board of the National Right to Life Committee in 1971. Putting to use the public speaking skills she learned as a child in Carthage, Dr. Jefferson seemingly made it her personal mission to reach as many people across the country as possible with the pro-life message that every human life, from the moment of fertilization until natural death, is worthy of the protection of our laws. To hear Dr. Jefferson, you would end up agreeing with her, wanting to be able to quote her. You cannot match her on TV. She was incredible. 
nobody could really match her or beat her when it came to discussing and, and arguing the issues for life. She was incomparable. In late 1972, Dr. Jefferson appeared on The Advocates, a television program produced by the local PBS affiliate in Boston. It would air nationwide. So great was her eloquence and passion for defending human life that it caused one politician to completely rethink his views on the issue of abortion, a conversion that would ultimately impact pro-life efforts for decades to come. Shortly after the show aired, he wrote to Dr. Jefferson, I hope you won't mind my writing to you, but I had to tell you how truly great you were in your testimony on the Advocates program regarding abortion. Yours was the most clear-cut exposition of this problem I have ever heard. Several years ago, I was faced with the issue of whether to sign a California abortion bill. I must confess to never having given the matter of abortion any serious thought until that time. No other issue since I have been in office has caused me to do so much study and soul-searching. I wish I could have heard your views before our legislation was passed. You made it irrefutably clear that an abortion is the taking of human life. I'm grateful to you. Sincerely, Ronald Reagan. When the Supreme Court legalized abortion in 1973, the pro-life movement quickly gained momentum in every state. National Right to Life's network of state affiliates and local chapters, as well as its representative board of directors, increased. Sitting as the representative of Massachusetts Citizens for Life, Mildred Jefferson was elected vice chairman of the NRLC board in June 1973. The following year, she was elected chairman of the board, and in 1975, she became president of National Right to Life. Her election as president catapulted Mildred Jefferson and her unmatched ability to articulate the pro-life message further onto the national stage. She was a highly sought-after speaker and traveled the country extensively speaking at state and local right-to-life events and conventions. And I think it was that commitment that she wasn't pro-life as one of other things. It was her whole thing. Dr. Jefferson received numerous honorary degrees and awards from institutions across the country, including, most notably, an honorary degree from College of the Holy Cross, which she received alongside another staunch advocate for life, Mother Teresa of Calcutta. These opportunities were used to share National Right to Life's life-affirming message and philosophy. Dr. Jefferson, I think it's, it's fitting to say that Dr. Jefferson exemplified the best of the pro-life movement. I remember her sort of as the ambassador, the ambassador of life. She would speak wherever she had the opportunity to share the beauty of life, regardless of whether her audience was pro-life or not. Appearing at a Minnesota women's conference in the 1970s, Mildred Jefferson captivated an entire auditorium. But the word spread that Mildred Jefferson was down on the floor. And I looked down and saw this tiny figure and this huge auditorium exploded, cheering and clapping for her. Reporting on Dr. Jefferson's travels, the National Right to Life News remarked, the favorable press she generates for the Right to Life cause is unique and a welcome byproduct of her many talents. As she jets from city to city, scarcely a metropolitan daily fails to report her presence. Her gift for oratory was such that the great orator and pro-life champion Congressman Henry Hyde once remarked that the best strategy for the pro-life movement would be to have someone pay Dr. Jefferson just to travel around the country and speak out on behalf of the unborn. She was extremely bright. I think she just loved people. She was impeccably logical. She understood that, that taking a life was wrong in any circumstance. I mean, she had a keen sense of morality and a keen sense of what is right and what is wrong. 
Dr. Jefferson would use her credentials as a surgeon and the fact that she was a woman as a springboard to talk about protecting life and the realities of abortion at conventions, in the press, and in numerous appearances before various congressional committees. In one congressional appearance in 1981, she told members, with the obstetrician and mother becoming the worst enemy of the child and the pediatrician becoming the assassin for the family, the state must be enabled to protect the child, born and unborn. During those congressional appearances, Dr. Jefferson certainly encountered pro-abortion members of Congress and knew it fell to pro-lifers to change the political tide in the country. Mildred had a vision for the pro-life movement that included getting involved in the political process. She knew that pro-lifers needed to elect pro-life men and women to office in order to pass laws, pro-life laws that would save babies and the medically dependent, the vulnerable. Uh, and she really did push that we needed to start a PAC. Dr. Jefferson's vision came to fruition in 1980 with the establishment of the National Right to Life Political Action Committee. As a direct result of that vision, over the past three decades, NRL PAC has helped provide the margin of victory that sent hundreds of pro-life men and women to the nation's halls of power in both the Capitol and the White House. Whether it was testifying before Congress, speaking before a group of concerned pro-life citizens, or talking one-on-one -on -one with a friend or colleague, the effusive Dr. Jefferson connected with every person to whom she spoke. She related to everyone. She would have a way of looking at you and make you feel that you were the only person, you know, that she cared to talk about, the most important person to her. She'd look you right in the eye. She spoke to every type of human being, rich, poor, young, old, all political philosophies. Mildred was a universal orator. She spoke to everyone. She spoke for humankind. And Mildred, people responded. The sanctity and dignity of every human person from fertilization to natural death. It was a universal message from a universal orator. Dr. Jefferson knew this was a cause that would bring together a cross-section of America. Writing in the 1977 National Right to Life Convention book, she observed, We come together from all parts of our land, we who are known as the Right to Life people. We come rich and poor, proud and plain, religious and agnostic, politically committed, and independent. We can only agree on our respect for life and our determination to defend the right to life. After devoting decades of working to protect the most vulnerable, Mildred Jefferson never thought of quitting. She continued to share the pro-life message to all who would listen. One thing I really remember about Dr. Jefferson is how she would say that one should never let themselves be defined by age or time. I think that's how it helped her to relate to people of all ages, and especially young people. She was so interested in the youth. Indeed, she was determined to inspire and involve the next generation of pro-life activists, ensuring that the pro-life movement would be successful well into the 21st century. Dr. Mildred Faye Jefferson left this world on October 15, 2010, at age 84. But she left behind a legacy of dedication and service to a calling greater than oneself. It is a legacy that will continue to inspire and bring people to the cause of life for decades to come. And remember, the fight for the right to life is not the cause of a special few, but the cause of every man, woman, and child who cares not only about his or her own family, but the whole family of man. <laughs> oh, man, Rich. I mean... 
you talk about a leader, talk about somebody. Um, and we met her. Uh, we were at a pro-life convention, weren't we? I distinctly remembering yeah. uh, the time that I met her. And I, I didn't know who she was. And I was yeah. so glad. I'm so glad now that yeah. I met her. Absolutely. Uh, now, folks, uh, we are going to, in the next, next, next little while, a couple of weeks or so, present this, the speech of Senator Lankford of Oklahoma on the floor of the U.S. Senate. And Senator Lankford is going to say perhaps something like uh, Dr. Jefferson said, is it a baby? Is it a human being? From the moment of conception till natural death occurs through trauma or disease, is it the cycle of a life of a human being? That's what we're talking about. I don't care if you're a Democrat or you're a Republican, or you are from this church or that church or the other church. Is it a human being, and is it important that we care? What say you, Rich? It's all about your heart. And she dedicated her heart to serving God by serving people, even the least of these. All right, if you're a pastor, or you're a Christian, or your faith in Christ is where it needs to be, uh, I want you to listen to this song. This song is a great way for you to think after hearing about Dr. Mildred Jefferson. How about your heart? Is it right with God? Would you ask Christ in today? Is it black with sin, or is it pure within? Would you ask Christ in to stay? People often see you as you are outside. Jesus really knows you. How about your heart? Is it right with God? That's the thing that counts today. Friend, how would you feel if your heart were made with a window on? So that all could see what you really are, and there was nothing you could hide. People often see you as you are outside. How about your heart? Is it right with God? That's the thing that counts today. Oh yes, that's the thing that counts today. 
Yeah. You know, um, look in your Bible. Uh, I want to bring this up on Complete Story sometime. The number of times that Jesus Christ spoke about the importance of little ones, the importance of children, the importance of the whole story of Christ's birth, for goodness sakes. Uh, and that's what it's about. Do you care? I don't know if you're a preacher or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher or a layman or a mom or a dad, whatever you are, do you care about the life of the most innocent among us? What say you, Rich? And we want to thank our friend Carol Robertson for that song. That's for sure. Well, do we have some listener Oh, we comments? sure do. And let me tell you, folks, the listener comment line is 1-800-345-2621. We'd love to hear from you, well, let's hear. just like this lady. Hi, my name is Madeline, and I am so thankful for Bot Radio. I especially enjoy Dr. Charles Stanley and Adrian Rogers. Uh, I also appreciate the Stand Up for Life as someone who was adopted and has children who came to us through the blessing of adoption. We could have just as easily been aborted as our birth mother chose to give life. Thank you again. You're certainly a part of my everyday. Yeah. You know, the birth mother said, okay, I have a child. I don't like people to say, I'm going to have a child. Honey, you have a child. But put it up for adoption if it's not possible in your life in order to take good care of that baby. There are other couples that say, oh, please, please, please let us adopt a baby then. Here's another one. Just started listening to you this morning again after two years. We moved after a hurricane destroyed our home in Panama City, Florida. I used to listen to your radio station all the time in Panama City, but just found you this morning, and it's like an old friend, and it's very sweet. I plan to keep my radio tuned, and I will be listening quite frequently. Thank you so much. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Uh, and you know, people are listening all over on yeah. the various digital platforms that we have. Now listen, do we have time for one more? Okay. My name is Robert, and I'm from Southern Illinois. I enjoy bot radio. I thoroughly enjoy throughout my day the ministry that you broadcast, and it helps me to grow spiritually. Uh, all right, Rich, let's take one more. Hi, I just want to share my appreciation for your stand for truth, the presentation of the gospel through various ministries that proclaim the gospel, and your stand for the sanctity of life. Okay, well, we don't have any time for more, folks. Uh, this is Dick Bott with my son, Rich, with this chapter of The Complete Story as a public service for you folks, and we'll see you later. Music